0: Welcome to the Inside Slant Podcast. Inside Slant Podcast? Brought to you by jayhawkslant.com.
1: Shay,
2: where do you rank Bill Self's class?
1: It's definitely one of the top 10 classes in the country.
0: Bringing you all the latest info from the coaches, players, and recruits. Kirby, how big is this commitment?
3: Well, he's the type of recruit that can change the whole class.
0: For all of the latest KU news, analysis, and discussion, go online to jayhawkslant.com. The online leader in recruiting and team coverage. Here's the staff from (laughs) jayhawkslant.com.
2: Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome back to another edition of the Inside Slant Podcast from jhawkslant.com. This is another pre-game edition. The Hawks are getting ready for Texas Tech, but this is a massive show. We're going to talk lots more than just Kansas football. We've got everything going. Like I say, football is in full swing. The Hawks are bowl eligible. Basketball has started. The regular season is ready ready to crank up. We're going to cover it all. We're going to be joined by Chris Level from RedRaiderSports.com. We're going to dive into NIL, name, image, and likeness, with the folks from Mass Strategies. We're going to talk with Matt Beatty and Dan Beckler. Before we get into all that, though, let me welcome in my man, our guy on the Kansas Jayhawks national champion, Kansas Jayhawks, hmm. men's basketball beat, our good friend, Shea Wildeboer. Shea, how are you tonight?
1: Man, I'm doing well. How are you, brother?
2: I'm good,
3: man. I'm hey, did, buying, I hear, did
1: I hear you guys, are bringing, you guys are bringing on Chris Level?
3: Yep. Yes.
1: Dude, I think that guy, literally, that guy, He aside from Kirby, I don't know a guy that's been around much longer than we, he than he has with us, man. That guy's been around forever. Good dude. And I know you'll enjoy the conversation. Great dude.
2: I, that's one of my favorite things that, that we do and john i love when we have the guys from the other sites in the conference or or in non-conference even you know we had the people on from duke getting a chance just to get their perspective and talk with them a little bit i i love that that's one of my favorite parts of the podcast speaking of our man john kirby let me bring in the man on the football beat right now our publisher jk himself john how are
3: you i'm doing well guys yeah hey uh, Chris Level. uh Chris and I probably started this close to about the same time. We've probably worked each other for, well, uh, I don't know, 20, 21, 22 years. He oh, wow. is He's as good as they come. He handles all the sideline reporting, so we'll talk to him a little later. But, yeah, he's great, and he'll give some good insight under the, into the Texas Tech game.
1: That's- yeah, he's, he's, he, hey, hey, and, by the way, Kirby, publisher, haven't I been around long enough to get co-publisher? Nope. <laughs> oh. he, hey, Randy, did you hear you? He didn't even think about it. It was just a real quick. So well, I mean, hey, no, you know, no change in voice. No, 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 no. Didn't get upset. Just said nope. It, it's funny because you tried to surprise him as we start the podcast,
2: basically right.
1: asking for a raise,
2: and he didn't even bat an eye. Just didn't nope even roll. Hey what Randy,
3: last week Shay wants to get in on the football talk. Now he wants uh-huh. to be. Now he wants to be co publisher. I see how this is going.
1: Shea's trying to. No, 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 no. <laughs> hey, but I did. I did say. I, I did. I not say guys. This team deserves to be they deserve some good things to happen and what happened absolutely
2: they they played fantastic against it I mean they State. you guys they, was... they,
1: they came i mean devin are you kidding me? I mean these guys it they they, they uh, listen, Kirby has seen it more than anybody and I, and I've think thought about all the guys that have covered this program since uh-huh. things have kind of gotten bad. nobody's uh-huh. been through it I mean really, if you look at it on a day to day basis than than John i mean listen we're all in this for a reason. Um you know I think we're all passionate about what we do yeah. but for you guys to have a season like this and the players and I know John's going to say it's not about me I'm just doing my job but it's to me it's been like these guys smiling goal posts coming down I saw Bean I was going to say Jason Bean just, yeah, I mean dude that oh. that's Pat dude that, I mean that for the fans to be able to see that uh-huh. I mean I thought that was I mean I looked at Camper and I said dude that's what that's what you want to be part of something special and see something through when 2 years ago i believe they were winless yep. that's what this is about i mean that, the job that, that coach has done is amazing
2: you're you're exactly right and and before we get any further because there is we are going to get into so much kansas kansas jayhawk football kansas basketball tonight i want to take a minute to talk about a different kind of recruiting. You know, we talk a lot of recruiting. We talk basketball recruiting. Jayhawks just had National Signing Day. We talk football recruiting. Lance Leipold and his staff picked up another big commitment in the class of 2024 this week. So let's talk about a local Kansas City company that's doing some major recruiting of their own. My Freight World is a logistics company, a group of KU guys based in Overland Park, Kansas. They're looking to add more account executives to the team to help bring more customers into the fold. There's a better way to do things, and My Freight World's customers love them because they save them time and money, plus bring visibility and remove uncertainty from the freight transportation process. The account executive role offers great work-life balance, operational support, and an uncapped commission structure that rewards those that really get after it. The harder you work, the more money you can make. It's a nice concept. My Freight World is a great company to work for and a great company to work with as well for those customers out there listening that might have freight transportation needs. So for all of our listeners, if you're looking to start a new career, you know, the new year is just, gosh, just a handful of weeks away at this point. If you're looking to make a change, there's no better time than now. Or if you know someone who might be interested in getting into the exciting world of logistics, be sure to look My Freight World up Right now, check out their career page on their website. Go hit them up
3: at myfreightworld.com. Yeah, Randy, he um, I, I've talked with Mike a few times. You know, he's a Ku guy. They got Ku guys who are on our site and listen to the podcast. And you know, it's interesting. I was kind of talking about what they do, and 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 I've I've said this before, okay, that we've had chance to have advertisers on here, and we've had, mm-hmm. and, and I've been picky, you know, probably too Did picky, you but you know, when I when I heard Mike and what what these guys do at my freight world, I was pretty cool. And and it's just not, you know, people, you know, maybe looking to leave their job and interested in that. He he was telling me, you know, if guys are getting out of college or you've been just gotten out of college, or getting ready to graduate no and you have an interest in that, you know, give these guys a call, give them a ring. They'll, um, you know, the exciting company and, uh, maybe hey, more than anything, these guys are Jayhawk fans. It, you, you know, it's, it's interesting. I always like talking to people and they say, you know, I really get into the Jayhawk football more than anything. So he <laughs> he got an extra plus in the book, you know, because he definitely follows KU football.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, I have several friends that work in freight and logistics and the people that do it, they love it. They love the the it kind of it's it's competition, really. Because you're you're bidding on deals against other companies, and and if you're somebody that you've got a competitive nature and you want to make good money and you're into problem solving, it's it's a great job. And and the guys at My Freight World, are great guys to work with, and we we appreciate them letting us come on and have this kind of fun every week by supporting the Inside Slant podcast. All right, now Shay, you're just getting back home from covering national signing day for the men's basketball program how to go tell us about the newest addition to this roster
1: yeah i mean these are Randy. these are um you know three guys that this staff identified early on three guys that they really really wanted i mean i know year in and year out you look at guys and um you're not for sure how the class is going to play out but you know you got el marco jackson a six three 185 pound really combo guard from south kent and, and here, here, here's the thing about him. I think we, I think we've got him ranked at like number 63 in America. Going to make a huge, huge, huge jump up in the rankings. But you know, um, KU recently sent out a release a little bit ago, and, and to me, the thing that stands out about El Marco and the impact that he's had. Um, You know, on his team this summer and so far this year, this is what Coach had to say. Uh, Coach Roberts did a great job recruiting on Marco and his family, and we feel he will be an immediate impact player for us and potentially one of the best guards we've had in our program. I mean, dude, I mean, yeah, I mean, one of the best. Right. I mean, you're talking about a coach coming off a second national championship, and he's had some, like Bill liked to say, he's had some cats. I mean, he's had some guys that can play and they think, I mean, listen, for the longest time, I really thought if they were going to bring in a guard, a high level guard, it would be Mikey Williams, who just recently committed to Memphis. I think when KU saw this guy, um, El Marco saw his capabilities, saw kind of the player he really was. And he's only been playing for three years. I mean, this is a guy that is a potential all American, a guy that's going to be a difference maker. right away next year. And self is out here saying that they think he's going to be one of the best guards the program has ever had. Um, so I mean, he's going to be a guy. You know, you're going to throw him in there with Dawan. Um, you know, you're going to put him out there on the perimeter next year with Grady. Um, if he's around, you're going to throw him out there with MJ Rice. You're going to throw him out there with Bobby. I mean, dude, they're lining up some cats that can play. Um, and, and again, you got another guy, Chris Johnson, who's originally from Fort Bend, Texas, who's at, who's right now um, decided to make the transfer to Montverde. And here's just let me a little story about Chris. You guys, I've been. Um, His mother, Cheryl Johnson, is absolutely amazing. She's been texting me all day, um, photos and videos and um, her excitement. And I think the one thing that that Kansas fans are going to love about Chris is that he wants to be at Kansas. I mean, I I know a lot of guys commit, um, and and Kansas is where they ultimately want to be if they make that decision. But this is a kid legitimately that can't get here soon enough. I mean, loves Kansas, loves the coaching staff, loves Coach Case. You know, Coach Case is responsible for about – Two thirds of this class um, mm. done an amazing, yeah. I mean, he two Good out of old three. Old Jeremy guys. Case, Jeremy, yeah. I, mean, I remember when 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 Bill Self announced him as the, the assistant. People had questions. Well, I think mm-hmm. you can put those those questions to bed. I mean, but again, you know, this is a guy that's at at Montverde, one of the top, if not the t- top, prep high school basketball programs, led by Kevin Boyle. You know, they were at a tournament a few weeks ago in Las Vegas dude was the MVP. I mean, playing point guard, 6'4", 180. Um, I don't necessarily think he'll play point guard next year strictly at Kansas. I mean, he can play the one, the two, or the three on the ball, off the ball, whatever. But a, a dude um, that just has it. And I don't know exactly what that – people say he's just got that it. I don't know what that it exactly is, but, I mean, he's got it. I mean, he's confident. Um, You know, he can play, like I said, with the ball in his hands. Um, or off the ball, and a guy that really that's going to bring some athleticism um, to the backcourt. Then, you, lastly, you got a Jamari McDowell from Texas, and probably, um, and I would agree with this as Coach Soap said, the best shooter of the three. I mean, he's a guy that can stretch the defense. And again, the thing that I love about this class, Randy, is you know you've got six four, six four, and then um, six three, so you had a, a ton of length. So if you look at the guys that they have now. Um, and the guys that they're bringing in next year on the perimeter. I mean, I, I, I think back to some of those teams that Bill had at Illinois that were really front-court front dominated. They had some big mm-hmm. guys. I remember that year they went up against Collison and Gooden. And, um, I'm, well, maybe Gooden wasn't there, but – and just punished those guys. Yep. Now Bill's bringing in some athletic guards. They can defend. Um, They can get after it, Um, you know, uh, create havoc on the defensive end of the court, turn defense into offense. And, I, you know, I think they addressed – every need that they thought that they would need for next year. And, and, you know, they've they've got a top 10 class. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do um, at the end of the season in the spring as far as the transfer portal goes. But, I mean, if you think of everything that this staff has been through, everything they've got hanging over their head right now to bring in this class, this type of class, um, to get all three guys signed during the early signing period, I think it's a huge day for the basketball program without any question.
2: You you know, you're talking, obviously, we're talking about guys, you know, I said additions to this roster when when I asked you the question. These are guys that are not going to be on campus until next season, obviously. Correct. We just had a game earlier this week. You know, squad opened up the season against Omaha Monday night. I know you weren't feeling so hot, but what did you see? when these guys took the court, obviously I know, I know the big story is, is Grady Dick and
1: man. And that's, what I, that's what I needed to see. Listen for, 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 and, and I've always, I've known for a long time that he, that he had a chance to be a really good player. Um, and you've and,
2: been telling us that for what, two years? Yeah. And, and, I mean, you've been very consistent in the fact that I mean, you made it clear, you thought he could be that guy.
1: Right. And, and coach self has said it repeatedly, but I, I think for me, um, Outside of an exhibition game, I needed to see it. I needed to see not only his shot, but just his athleticism, his overall game. I mean, the dude was nine of thirteen from the field, four of six from behind the arc, twenty-three points, uh, uh, two the steals. Best, the
2: best debut in a Jayhawk right. uniform since Xavier Henry.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, Randy. He doesn't flinch. Mm-mm. He doesn't. I mean, he, he just goes out and balls. And and the thing that I love about him is, you know, and, and I and I don't normally say this because that's it's. I, I don't like the, not necessarily the attention, but I don't, I just don't like it. But like after the pit state, after the, the first exhibition, the only exhibition game, I was leaving the court, Um, just finished up some work and he, and he approached me after doing an interview and talked to me and just said, Hey, how are you doing? How's life? How's Kim and all these things. And this is a guy, Rainey, that just gets it. I mean, those are stories that you don't normally, well, and, you don't normally but, talk about simply because it's just that's a guy that's a freshman in college right?
2: right. and he had the wherewithal and just in the midst of. Everything, you know, his first college game right. in Allen Fieldhouse after that stops to ask you how you right. are, yeah, how your kid
1: is. I mean, that that's, that, and that's that says a lot. Is. Yeah, and, and to me, it's it's great to see great things happen to great people that deserve it. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I wanted to see him – and he did – listen, I think he has a chance. Um, And I've said – I mean, like I knew he would be good, but I think he's got a chance to be really, really good. Because the thing about it is he could miss 10 in a row. And he'll shoot ten more, and he—I he, mean—he—he'll forget about the misses instantly, and it won't weigh on him. Um. So you know, I need to see that. P- if people remember a year ago at this time. You know, Jalen Wilson was suspended, and he got off, and he would be the first to admit this, and I think Bill would too. He got off just a really a bad start last year. I mean, he just the suspension, um, you know, that little setback, and then just kind of stumbling out of the gates. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, nineteen points, eleven rebounds, seven assists, um, thirty-one minutes of action, seven of sixteen from the field, three of seven from three. I mean. Listen, he when when I look at this program, when I look at one guy that I think it's gonna kind of have to be the face of the program, the one guy that's gonna kind of be looked upon night in and night out, it's gonna be Jalen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's abs- to me that he's gonna be the guy. I mean, DeJuan, you can't replace Dewan Harris. Eleven points, eight assists, uh, one turnover. Um, you, you know, to me, he's a, he's a guy, DeWan that that has to be at least some type of threat to score offensively he it, listen the teams leave him open he's got to shoot it he does he's got to have the confidence because he can make those shots um he's got to be able to take pressure off guys around him but again dude eight assists 11 points 11 points one turnover i mean he's a guy that's just he just keeps getting better and better um you know bobby pettiford a, a guy that last year i think played in 14 games was injured i think his last game last year was in i think against oklahoma state in february again dude you know comes off the bench 13 points six to seven from the field extremely efficient uh two assists no turnovers two steals um you know uh, guys that didn't play a role last bobby Pettifer didn't play a major role last year um you know i love kevin mcculler i love his hands you know the 10 points um didn't shoot the ball really well i know that's going to be something that kansas fans are going to watch all year long but you know he hit all of his free throws um You know, two steals, uh, two assists, uh, 10 points. Um, You know, he's going to have to be a guy that's, um, you know, he's going to have to be a double-digit score for this team if, if, you know, if they want to get to where they want to be. But, you know, again, to me, the biggest question is, is who's going to man the five-spot? You know, at, at the beginning of the year, I thought it was going to be Zach Clements. You know, he plays four minutes. Uh, you know, I think, z- obviously, Zuby four is a freshman, three minutes. Um, then, you know, you got uh, K.J. Adams at 28 minutes and Ernest Duday at 14. So I think, it, collectively, those guys are going to be good. There's no doubt about it. But I'm wondering if there's one or two guys that can kind of step up, separate themselves from the pack. Because I think you got four really, 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 really good starters. Um, to me, the question remains: Is who's going to jump up and take that fifth spot, and then who are going to be a couple guys off the bench? I um, mean, you know, we haven't seen MJ Rice yet, who's been uh, um, who's been held out of action with a little injury, and um, you know Joseph Yesufu who gets nine minutes, and um, you know Kyle Cuff who gets two minutes. I mean, there's going to have to be some guys that separate themselves, and and that's what I'm interested to see moving forward. Big game tomorrow night, and then you jump in in five days or six days and, and play Duke. I mean, and that's going to be a big boy game.
2: Shay, okay, before we let you go. You know I love to do this. Uh, Who's going to be the fifth guy? Who is that number five? Your prediction, not oh well, it could be this guy, this guy. Who? What is your prediction? I think ultimately it's
1: going it, to ultimately I think it's going to be Ernest Duda with his with his height, um, you know, his ability to block shots, um, you know, his ability to get up and down the court, um, you know, his athleticism. I just think he's you know he just plays with so much energy. He's a guy that can, you know, play above the rim. And you know, I think he's starting to kind of get a connection with the one, you know, they have that, those off the backboard passes. And I mean, I just, to me, he's, I think he's the most guy that makes logical sense, but here's, here's another thing, Randy too. And I, and I'm, i I answered the question. I think it's going to be earnest, <laughs> but I, <laughs> But I all, you know, I I look at a guy like Zach Clements, really. I mean, and and I'm not to take away from KJ Adams either, but I look at a guy like Zach who put in a ton of work. I mean, a ton of work. A guy who committed here early, or a guy who committed to Kansas early. Obviously wants to be at Kansas, and um, I just I just I can't see him going out without, you know, putting throwing his name into the ring. I mean, I just can't. And you, I mean, you got Cam Martin too. So, um, I answered the, I think it'll be earnest. Shay, you but can't
2: pick everybody.
1: No, I know, but I, th- <laughs> it'll, I think it'll be earnest, but I think there'll be some other guys too that, um, that, that on nights when maybe one's struggling the other one will come up and, you know, take on that role. Even and if it's collectively, it's collectively, but to me, the most sense is earnest.
2: That's our man, Shay Wildeboer, our guy on the men's basketball beat. Shea, thanks for joining us. Thanks for, you know asking John if you could be promoted and ask him for a raise just to start the podcast. We appreciate the entertainment value, sir.
1: Randy, you need to get my, you need to get my back, Randy.
2: <laughs> I will tell him, be like, Hey, if there's anybody that deserves it after me, it's Shay.
1: Hey, you guys have a good night, man. I appreciate it.
2: All right. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right. All right, John, time for us to turn our attention to the bowl eligible Kansas Jayhawks football program huge win over Oklahoma State last Saturday afternoon on a a fantastic fall Saturday you know it's such a huge moment because I don't think anybody expected this program to get to bowl eligibility with a sixth win and just Lance Leipold and his staff second year in Lawrence you were there what were your thoughts? You've got so much perspective. It's like Shay said, you've covered this team longer
3: than anybody. What did you think when you watched, it, watched the way it went down on Saturday? Well, the first thing I thought was is Oklahoma State says, we're done with trips to Kansas. Let's get out of this state. Because <laughs> that has not gone well. The week before, you know, they play Kansas State. And, and listen, Kansas State just absolutely roughed them up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I said last week on the podcast, Randy, I said – Oklahoma State is banged up, all right, and they had to play a lot of emotional close games. And then they went into Manhattan, and they just didn't have it. And you could tell when they were into when they left K State the way they got beat. I said I don't think they're going to recover from that at least in a week. And I said the fact they were banged up, they were beat up emotionally, they didn't have their quarterback. But listen, you got to give some credit to Kansas too, because KU went out and. Won the turnover battle, you know. When you're Oklahoma State and you're down, all those guys, you can't you can't turn it over four times. Kansas did what they were supposed to. They played good enough defense, played very good, very efficient on offense. Devin Neal was on fire. Okay, I mean that man. I mean it was it was. I mean everything. He was on another he, planet. On everything Saturday. he touched, all right, was going somewhere.
1: Mm-hmm. So.
3: Just everything, they, they ran the ball. The receivers looked good. The, the O-line looked good. Listen, cable dude goes down. They they put Ford over to right tackle. They bring Armage into the right guard. They they didn't miss a beat. So, no. I, I just, everything kind of lined up in that game for the sixth win. Hey, listen, we, all, we can sit here and talk if Oklahoma State was fully healthy like they were four weeks ago, but you know they weren't. And Kansas was coming off of a bye week. And I, I kind of said this the week before. I thought Oklahoma State, they got beat up against K-State and their return trip to Lawrence, KU was ready because they were coming off of a bye week and they wanted to get that taste out of their mouth of the bad games that they played against Baylor and Oklahoma. Okay, And I don't want to call them bad games, but you know, games that they felt they could have played better at. So it was a it was a fun time. It was good seeing everybody rush the field and take the goalposts down and just being with the players after the game and, and, and listening to Leipold after the game. It, it, it was cool just to see these guys get their sixth win and, and be bowl eligible.
2: Now, before we get into this week's game, you know, we're going to do like we always do. We're going to break it down. We're going to give our predictions and everything. Let's hear from Chris Level, the publisher of RedRaiderSports.com, who John talked with just a little bit ago previewing the matchup on Saturday.
3: We're joined by Chris Level, who is the publisher of com, And I've had the pleasure of knowing Chris for probably 20 years or more. He does a great job with the site. He is also the sideline reporter for the Texas Tech football broadcast. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Kirby. How are you, buddy? Man, I'm doing well. It's great to talk to you and and uh, got Got what, uh, at least between these two teams, is a pretty important football game Saturday night. I'm I'm curious, just to get your take, first-year coach Joey McGuire. You know, I'm familiar with Joey because he's had some ties to Kansas through the years. He's been up to speech uh, speak at a coach's clinic here. What's the first-year reaction from the fan base on Joey McGuire?
1: Yeah, you know,
4: I, I think uh, I think that everybody he got everybody energized, which was desperately needed uh, around here. You know, tech football has not been great over the last decade uh, or so. They kind of had some ups and downs and had some had some seasons that were pretty good, but just not not what, what it was in the in the two thousands when Mike was around here coaching. And I think he's just really energized the fan base. You know, it was a John. It was an outside the box hire. Let's be honest. I mean, this was uh, whenever they hired and settled on Joey, which is a, almost one year ago this week, I think that, you know, hey, hadn't been a head coach at the college level, hadn't been a coordinator technically at the college level, but was a very much a known quantity in in the state of Texas. And I think, you know, immediately kind of brings in an identity from the standpoint of just recruiting high school players in the state of Texas. And I think that's really what I think Tech felt was their biggest issue is just player acquisition kind of thing. You know, just hadn't been recruiting at a level that, was needed, and so, but yeah, he's got everybody fired up, and the expectations around here this season weren't weren't too high. Uh, I think internally, they were very high, but, you know, I think, you know, media and uh, fan base were just kind of, you know, hey, man, let's get to a bowl game, and so, and that's why it's funny, because when you say, you know, the importance of this game, what's well, a lot more important for Texas Tech than it is for Kansas, that's for darn sure.
3: You know, before I get into the the team stuff, I got to ask you how uh, Emmett Jones is doing down there
4: he's doing good you know his it's funny because i i'm uh i do some stuff for a high school here his son's a senior on the football team they're playing in the playoffs this week and but uh he's always on the sideline for the tech games and all that uh watching his dad coach and all that but yeah these kids around here uh big big fans of him and uh, i know he was glad to get back to the state of texas and just glad to be around uh this program and obviously spent a lot of time here under, under coach kingsbury and uh, that was one of the first things that Joey and Zach Kitley did was try to uh, hire, hire Coach Jones, and I know he did a great job up at up at Kansas and all those ties to the Metroplex, but just kind of goes in line with what Joey was trying to build is like guys that are known around the state of Texas and that can coach and that, you know, they've got some ties. But, yeah, Emmett's a great dude, and um, I, w- I think he wishes he had a healthier receiver group this year, but that's just kind of been the way that it's gone. But, uh, no, it's doing great, and uh, I know he thinks a lot of uh, Coach Leipold,
3: too. You know, Chris, I want to say it's the last four straight games KU's played. The quarterback situation on the opposing team's been in flux, and it looks like it's going to be the same thing again. You know, talk about the talk about Smith and Show. What like what are their styles? What are the differences between the two?
4: Yeah, you know, this has been, uh, you know, there's a direct tie into not being able to keep a quarterback healthy over the last decade and you not being very good. Um, you know, there was a stretch there with Pat Mahomes, there was a season or two where he was mostly healthy but even played injured at times. But other than that, that's just kind of been the way it's gone around here is that, you know, you you, you have a starter and then that, that guy just can't finish the season because of injury. It's rarely has anybody been pulled around here just because of ineffectiveness, but – it's just uh, been an injury situation and that's just been the the story of this season so far. I think they felt like they had three pretty good quarterbacks. You know Tyler Shuck, uh he he won the job out of camp and um, you know gets hurt the first game. And so it's like okay, well here we go again. And so I think that they uh have started all three. Um I think that, that you you're right. Tyler is more of your he's the older guy. He's very polished. I don't think he's quite back to the form that he was, you know, whenever he got dinged up just because you, you you can't throw for as many weeks as he did. I think he's working back into form from a just muscle memory and timing and chemistry and all those things. But, you know, he's, he's the guy that and, and won the job the last two years. And unfortunately, you know, it was last year was the same story I and mean, he gets dinged up in, in Austin and, and goes down with a broken collarbone and same thing this year. So uh, he he he's the he's the guy that I would guess will start this game. But the the other one, Donovan Smith, bigger kid, big smile on his face all the time. Uh, his dad's a running backs coach for the Giants, and he was on Matt Wells' staff the last several years. And uh, the, you know, Donovan's the bigger runner. You know, and I, I think he can. I mean, be, no doubt can throw it, and they can run the whole playbook and all that. Just Donovan just sometimes has issues with with turnovers. But you're going to see Donovan on short yardage stuff. Uh, goal line stuff. I mean things like that. Donovan will he will come in and play almost certainly if he's not the starter uh, this week. So I, I have a feeling you're going to see both guys. Um, and, and you know, again, I'd love to tell you that one of them is a is a can't miss or in 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 great health or great form and all that, but it's just kind of been uh, frustrating, I think, for Zach Kittley because you can't get any continuity as a play caller. You can't get any continuity as a from a game planning standpoint because you're dealing with a different quarterback each week and that's been frustrating around here because you just can't you can't quite get into any kind of rhythm and at this point you're supposed to be in in into a rhythm and improving and they just you know again every couple of weeks it's like okay now i'm back to the drawing board gotta, gotta start a new guy because this one's you know dinged up or whatever it may be and so uh but that that's kind of where that position is but I, I have a feeling yeah you'll see both guys on saturday
3: yeah, moving over to the defensive side. I mean, t- talk about what you've seen from the tech defense.
4: Well, the, that's where they're that's where they're pretty good. I mean, I, I don't you know I don't say that lightly. I mean, some of the scores don't necessarily show it. I think they hang in games for three ish quarters and then they just kind of run out of gas. They're, they're very good on defense, actually. Uh, the, the, the one criticism I would say is they, they don't take the ball away enough. They don't create enough turnovers uh they, they did that against West Virginia and blew the Mountaineers out but they, they haven't you know because I mean this game is 17 to 13 uh versus TCU and you've got you know your quarterback issues and you're not really playing good offense and all that but your defense is keeping you in it and and they uh they they stop the run they uh they've got really long corners I mean and you've got a. a well, there's projected to be a first round draft pick, and Tyree Wilson, the defensive end. I mean, he's a handful. Um, he's going to be very difficult to replace for them next year. But that's where all the that's where they were supposed to be good before the season, because that's where all the age and experience is. There's a lot of twenty three, twenty four year old kids on that side of the ball, and you know, if they if they play like they've been playing, I mean, they'll they'll play well. It's just a matter of. They haven't helped their team out quite enough, and, I, and I'm probably being nitpicky here by, by by not being able to create enough takeaways. That's really been the the issues. They haven't, you know, they haven't been able to score for you with a pick six or a a strip sack, and I mean just some of those kinds of plays. And maybe you're asking for too much, but that's really been the the only criticism I can I can lob up. And they, they've had a few moments where they they've let some, you know, Kansas State got them on some big long runs. Uh, you know, But other than that, they've they kept their team in games uh, most of the season. and They've had a rough schedule, but their non-conference schedule was playing at NC State on a Saturday night when NC State was the top 15 team, and they had a healthy quarterback and playing Houston at the time when they were ranked before they kind of went sideways, and uh, they, they've done well.
3: You know, this is the time of year everybody's banged up. So, I mean, what's Texas Tech status like? We've talked about the quarterback. What's the latest on injuries or, or, or players they might be getting back?
4: Yeah, you know, Kirby, I, I would tell you that I, other than Baron Morton, they are getting healthier. Uh, they just they've had a lot. Of, most of all the injuries have come on the offensive side. Um, they're probably going to be missing, if I was guessing, Jerron Bradley uh, this weekend, a receiver can't say that for sure, but he got knocked out of the game on a targeting play by TCU, and they, they threw the TCU player out. And I, I'm, I'm guessing he may still be in, in concussion protocol. Uh, and But they are getting some offensive linemen back, which they desperately need. Uh, I think they'll get their right tackle back, their right guard back. Uh, they, they were missing some receivers last week in J.J. Sparkman that left the game early, and then uh, Trey Cleveland did not play I expect those guys to be back and, and healthy, and then so r- really the I guess to sum it up, the, the, the main injury is just Baron Morton right now. But but I, I don't I don't really envision any scenario where they don't have most of their offensive players back, and then really everybody's good to go on defense for the most part, I think. Uh, other than like I said, the whiteout, Jer- Jerron Bradley, and then Barron.
3: Hey, we talked about what a big game this is. I mean, Texas Tech's trying to get bowl eligible. And Chris, something I never thought I would be saying to you right now is, I mean, the Kansas fans have laid out a scenario that's not too far unbelievable where Kansas is still in the Big 12 race right now. So a big game for both teams. How do you see this matchup?
4: Yeah, you know, and, and I, I knew I saw Coach Leipold was asked about that and week
3: standings, and if he's paid attention to some of those scenarios,
4: and you know, all, all these coaches and players, you know, they're just trying to stay in the moment and control what they can control. But you know, uh, folks like us and and, and fans, you know, they, they they're they're allowed to look ahead and kind of play it out and see, you know, if, if this team wins and if, if if they lose or if we win, you know, all those things, but. Yeah, I I I, uh, I know Kansas is is bowl eligible, and I know that they've got an outside shot to kind of work their way into this deal. And for Tech, it's just kind of survival right now. You're you're, you're desperately trying to win two of these last three so you can you know play a thirteenth game. And that's you know I I I was around a lot of them this week, and I you know it's always you read the message boards or you listen to talk radio or whatever and you you know fans are frustrated they're they're, they're angry and all the things that you get around those players and they've kind of moved on and from, from the previous week and uh, they're they're in the moment they want to protect uh, their home field they didn't feel like they played very well versus Baylor uh, on the last time they were at home they've won all their other home games other than that one and as we're starting to see Baylor's kind of starting to figure it out that was the team that was picked to win the league by most so i mean i would expect tech to play well is it going to be good enough i don't know and and my concern would be you know sh- shockingly you know can you can you score enough points what does your offense look like because it, it usually is typically the other way around around here it's like okay man if our defense is going to get some stops uh you know and all that you know our offense is going to be fine but it's kind of a role reversal uh right now but the, the, you know, I expect Tech to run it well. Um, I think that's they've got. That's where their strength is probably uh, when they when they've got. I hope the offensive line is. They've got two really good running backs in like Taj Brooks and Sir Roger Thompson. They're not going to run away from you and, and B. John Robinson or Deuce Vaughn or anything. But they're both really good, experienced college running backs that that can uh, do some damage, especially in between the twenties. So this, you know, and I think uh, I think John, you look back at what Kansas did to Oklahoma State. I mean, really, the the tale of that game is like so many in this league. If one team turns it over a bunch and the other team doesn't, guess what? I mean, guess who's winning? I mean, it's no no secret. And so that one would, I mean, not to be cliche, but that's been Tech's issue. And the, last week was the first game they'd only have bail had one turnover. And it was late that they played fairly clean and lost. Uh, the other ones, it really just been a story of, of you, you go to Manhattan and you turn it over a bunch. You go to Raleigh and turn it over a bunch. You go to Stillwater, turn it over a bunch. Uh, you know, against the Baylor at home, you know, you turn it over a bunch. That That's really what sums up those games because this is a team that's not good enough to overcome a bunch of extra possessions by the opposition. They're just not. And, it, and, and if they'll avoid that this week, I expect the Red Raiders to play well. But – You know, look, Kansas is. uh, I I think that they execute well. Uh, They're going to run, you know, a variety of different formations at you, and it's it's all the it's all the plays that are fairly simple. They just make them look like a whole bunch of different stuff, and it's hard to get get a grasp on if you're not paying attention and you're not lined up correctly. But it should be a fun one uh, Saturday night.
3: Chris, man, as usual, great stuff, giving everybody a look at the Texas Tech Red Raiders. It should be a good one Saturday night, and always appreciate you joining us. Yes, sir.
4: Appreciate you having me on, John.
2: Just a fantastic breakdown from Chris on Texas Tech. Now, let's get into predictions. Kirby, how do you see this one going Saturday night?
3: Oh, boy, Tate, Randy, this is, to me, you and I do this every week, we mm-hmm. talk about our predictions Yep. and every week i can say i don't like the game or i like the game or i have a good feel this is probably the first game this year that i can't sit here and tell you that i have a good feel how this thing's going to go um you know texas, hey, listen texas tech again the ku has an opponent where there's a there's a quarterback question right? They had Oklahoma with Gabriel. We didn't know if he was going to play. Did. You had Baylor. You had Chapin. Last week, Sanders was out against Oklahoma State. This week, Morton's going to be out, but they've already announced he's out. So they're going to go with their backups who have played. Okay. Um, Brian, Brian Borland, defensive coordinator. We talked to him. He said he doesn't see any reason they're going to do anything different. They're going to still run what they run. You know, Texas Tech, it's a night game in Lubbock. And I posted this on the board. I was watching some Texas Tech defensive film earlier in the day. And I got to tell you, they got players. I, I, I did not really realize it. I mean, I've watched them play, but I haven't put them on a video screen. Stop, rewind, go back, start looking at each position. Finally, tonight I went to Pro Football Focus just to learn more about these guys. You know, number 19, their defensive end. Hi, he's a freak. He's like 6'6", he- 270. I mean, he's going to be an NFL guy. They're good at home. They've got they've got really good running backs. They're getting some o-linemen back healthy. So, my point is, this is a big game for Texas Tech, okay? It's like, it's like I I talked with Chris there that Texas Tech's trying to get bowl eligible, and at the same time, it's still a big game for KU because let me tell you, there's a lot of scenarios in play here. Kansas is not out of the picture yet to be talked about, to be in the Big 12 title game. There are still scenarios, because the Big 12 is so wacky, it's so balanced. So uh-huh. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do here. When we started this podcast, when I clicked the record button, I was still torn on what I was going to go with here. I'm going to go with the Jayhawks. Okay. Um, I You know, it is... I'm I'm fifty fifty either way on this game. I still think it's gonna be a hard game. I'm gonna go with the Jayhawks. I, I just think they're they're playing with confidence. Okay. They are going to have to play well. I'm telling you, Texas Tech is gonna be a lot tougher in Lubbock than Oklahoma State was last week in, in Lawrence. So I'm gonna go Jayhawks thirty one, Texas Tech 28. What's, your, <laughs> oh, you, what's yours? John, you had to do that. <laughs> oh, you you okay. can't steal my score again, man! You, cannot, if I had you can't the steal exact my score.
2: Same score.
3: Okay, all right.
2: I'll go. Let's see. I'll go a little further out on the limb. I am gonna say. I'm gonna say 34 21. Jayhawks go on the road, get it done in Lubbock, Texas. Which anybody that has been following the Kansas program really over the last 10 years let alone, any longer than that knows Lubbock is the trip that you, we almost never know what kind of performance we're going to get out of KU. When we go to play tech on the road, this it's just a, I don't know what it is about going down there. I still remember Mario Kinsey, Terry Allen going in down there and winning a game at Texas tech, seemingly a hundred years ago, back in, I believe 2001, um, it's it's just something that has not happened very often. I think the Jayhawks go in there. They get a seventh win. They increase the, the likelihood of getting an even better bowl game, as well as picking up a good win on the road in the conference and keeping themselves in the picture for a possible Big 12
3: championship game berth. I can't believe, John, I can't believe we're even talking about that. Isn't that crazy to say? Well, you know, hey, Randy... Usually, when people post their theories and their possibilities and things how it can happen, uh-huh. you kind of roll your eyes sometimes, right? Oh, I think you and I do it more than but, anybody else, too. Well, no. But, I mean, because, because, hey, I love the fans, right? Mm-hmm. The fans are fanatics. Yep. However, things, you can't dismiss that right now in the Big 12 because everybody in the Big 12 this year, this is by far the most balanced this is, has been. Everyone can lose to everyone almost every week out. So when, you, when people say, hey, if these two teams were to lose this one and this team were to lose this one and KU were to win these two, that is not beyond the realm of possibility anymore with the way that the Big 12 is shaping up this year.
2: Not at all. And, and that's, it is, it is, it, the Big 12 is really a lot of fun. I I know people have their qualms about this conference and they think it's long-term viability or whatever. I will tell you this has been a fantastic football season. It is as competitive and as wide open as I can ever remember this league being and it has been so much fun this fall. And it's like you say it it is it is you don't have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to see how this how there is a path for Kansas to play in the Big 12 Championship game. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's, even, you know, even a possibility. I'm just saying that it could happen. There is a legit path to it for the Jayhawks, for Lance Leipold, you know, who I think is likely to be the national coach of the year, especially if he picks up another win or two over the, you know, the next several weeks. But uh yeah, I it's I remember 3 months ago, I'm not sure I mean, I think both of us thought. I think we both took the over in regards to you know the the Vegas line with two and a half wins. I think we both thought that they were going to go over that. I don't know if we necessarily thought they'd be in position to win. You know, six, seven, eight games. It, it's uh, man, it's it's been. I don't think I. Ugh, it's been so much fun. Anyway, all right. So we've talked. About the Jayhawks. We've talked about our our new relationship with our freight partners over at myfreightworld.com. Now we're going to get into the latest with football recruiting. But before we do, we have some guys who are going to talk about a topic that everyone wants to know. More about and understand, really, and that's name, image, and likeness. We've got a special guest on the show representing Mass Strategies, a pair of them. We're going to hear from Dan Beckler and Matt Beatty. They're going to get everybody up to speed on NIL and what they're doing with the Jayhawks. They join John on the studio line right now.
3: All right, we are going to get into an important topic and this is something that I think a lot of fans out there are still trying to figure out and understand how it all works, and they, the donors and people have questions on. So to answer these, we're going to bring in the two guys who definitely know what they're talking about here in Matt Beatty and Dan Beckler from Mass Strategies. Gentlemen, how you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Thanks, John, for having us. Having
5: us,
3: yeah, so hey, I, I kind of want to start from the beginning, because I mean, I know both of you guys, and I know you both from KU, um, you know, I watched Matt Beatty drop a bunch of fly balls in center field back when he was a player, <laughs> but um, just just kind of talk about Matt, I'll, I'll leave this one up to you, H- how you and Dan got to know each other, and then just the forming of Mass Strategies.
5: Oh, that's great, again, thanks, Curb, for having us on, and,
3: and uh,
5: appreciate the opportunity to... To talk to the fan base, and, and uh, it's exciting times for our NIL group at Mass Street Collective, and I couldn't be more excited about having a guy with uh, uh, the expertise and the experiences that he has from a from the NFL to minor league baseball to now college athletics. And Dan Beckler is not only a, a friend, but as a partner in the in the company. Uh, Dan and I, you know, uh, missed each other by uh, six months, if, if, if even that. Uh, when he came to to KU after I was the senior associate athletic director there and left and moved back to Wichita, uh, Dan started shortly after I left and, and didn't know. We're both from Wichita, didn't know Dan, knew his family, uh, but didn't know Dan because he's been gone for quite some time. And uh, through the conversations, obviously, him being in charge of PR and, and, uh, and, and KU doing such a good job with us, um, collectively working together, uh, having discussions, making sure we're all on the same page. I got to know Dan, uh, through the process and, and, uh, had questions as we were working through things. And finally, I think, uh, uh, we both decided, uh, Hey, you know what, it might be worth having a, a, a future, future conversation about what would his interest be in, in getting involved in the NIL and, with his experience and things like that. So uh, so we jumped uh, jumped in together and, and built a partnership, and I couldn't be more happier to have him and on our team. And the things that he's already been able to do strategically for us has been a game changer.
3: Matt, I'm going to stay with you on this one. You know, there are people out there who still just aren't familiar with NIL and they have questions. Just what is NIL? Go over that.
5: Well, you know, for so long, uh, you know, our fan base and donor base has been told that they can't uh, give impermissible benefits to student athletes through through pay, and uh, this has turned that completely upside down. Uh, I think on the last podcast we talked about in July of 21, um, you know, the the uh, Supreme Court ruled that uh, student athletes uh, could benefit from their own name, image, and likeness, and I think at that point the NC2A. Uh, just threw up on everybody and said, "Here, here you go, uh, go, go do it as you may," and there was a lot of confusion in the market and uh, a lot of questions still, and and you had bad bad actors like you always do, and uh, and so uh, they've slowly pulled back and started putting some legislation in place, and then recently in the last couple of weeks or last week they came out with some additional clarification and uh it bolstered up the collectives even more and, and really limited what athletic departments can do and so the third party uh smash street uh collective reaching champions joining hearts is is uh taking this on our responsibility as student athletes and making sure that they capitalize on their, their name image and likeness and and i'm sure we're going to talk about the importance of that is is uh you know for us to continue to be uh you know, a top uh, program in basketball, NIL has to be at the forefront for us to continue the momentum that we have in football, Uh, NIL has to be at the forefront. And so NIL is basically student athletes being able to monetize on their uh, name, image, likeness now. And it's been a fun, uh, fun process. It's been a fun business to start and being at the forefront and being leaders in this space has been uh, been fun.
3: All right, Dan, you, uh, I mean, it just wasn't too long ago, you and I were sitting in the press box working together when you were working at KU. Um, I know you've been around and you've been in the athletic departments and just how important is NIL for the future of KU athletics?
0: Well, I think it's the number one priority. I mean, you know, you you look around and if you just read the news and in different sports all around the country, everybody's talking about NIL. And uh the way it's set up at, at KU is is going to determine a lot of future successes and and I, I think a lot of it with with NIL it used to be the time where all right who had the biggest, nicest stadium, who could hold the most people and, and put that on their resume and then it's all right, who has the you know, the shiniest facilities, the cool locker rooms, all that type of stuff. Well now that's NIL. It's who has the best NIL programs. When I say best NIL program, that doesn't mean who's getting paid the most to go someplace. Uh, it is what is going to set me up for success to be able to improve my brand and utilize the Kansas Jayhawk brand together uh, and, and bolster name, image, likeness. And so that's what it is, right? We're we're focusing on building the brands of these student athletes, and you know, through different partnerships with obviously Applebee's or Wendy's or boys and girls club or big brothers big sisters there's there's just a tremendous uh, amount of uh, businesses that we've got involved with through the Lawrence Chamber of Commerce and and charities like folds of honor um just to make sure that while we're helping build these brands for these student athletes and they are able to monetize from that uh that we're also you know giving them real life examples along the way um you know some of these Young men and young ladies have done a tremendous job of using some of their funds that they have earned from NIL to give back to different communities. So um NIL is priority number one. Um, you know, when you talk about Lance Leipold and, and football coaches and uh all different rumor mills, all that type of stuff, NIL matters. It's a fact, it is the number one priority uh for student athletes um and coaches uh today
3: matt i know you've been out uh you know especially with dan coming on to the company there i know you've kind of shifted your focus to getting out and meeting with donors and and talking with them about that you know just tell me about the process with that and how's this all being received and how's everything going with that
5: well that's been the blessing of bringing dan on board and uh you know uh to have him run the day to day operations it puts me in a in a position where I've had the tremendous success over my career, which is uh you know I like to talk, I like to ask people for money, and so um that's been uh kind of my focus really for the last uh three to four months now that Dan's on board and and uh, I think it's going well you know where he's so much going back to what we started with is is there's still confusion um can I do this, can I not do that? Um, you know, Apple department, uh, has tried to help with that, but at, at still, they're, they're still kind of limited on the education side. Um, and so there's still a lot of education that we have to do with, with donors as we're sitting down and talking with them. But, you know, we've, we've received some significant funds, um, in the last, uh, in the last six, seven months, we got the big commitment, uh, the $1.5 million commitment, uh a few months ago we've gotten several uh six-figure gifts over the last uh couple couple months as well but you know we are really focused on um that education side with the donor but you know at the end of the day we got to capitalize dan hit it on the head this is the number one priority you know as as the football stadium is likely going to be announced uh and, uh, or the renderings and things like that, and they start seeing the shiny objects and, and Allen Fieldhouse, uh, doing renovations there. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, con- not a confusing message, uh, because that's needed. Uh, no question that's needed and people need to step up for that as well. But, you know, NIL is at the forefront. I think we asked a question in front of, uh, fr- in front of, uh, Coach Leipold at an event and it was, do you, uh, if you had $2 million, or a $400 million, $2 million that went to football players, uh, which is quid pro quo, they have to do something to receive that, or you had a $400 million football stadium, what is your priority? And, you know, I think people would be shocked. He said, NIL is my most important priority. He didn't say the football stadium wasn't a priority. He just said how important NIL is. And so, um, you know, so those conversations are going well. You know, it's – it's hitting the pavement talking. I love it because I get to revisit with friends that I haven't talked to in a while and revisit with Jayhawks. You know, we, we, we have a common uh, common thing to discuss and the success of football has been fun to watch. And that gets a lot of people amped up. And then after a national championship with, with the basketball, I feel like we're back in the 07, 08 time period. and There's some excitement around both programs and, and NIL is there at the forefront that we, we need to make sure we capitalize on it. And donors are starting to understand that and uh, uh, not as maybe as fast as we would like it at times. But uh, but we have some unique programming that I know Dan will be talking about that uh, we're, we're launching with our 100 Club and, and our crowdfunding sources. And so uh, we have ways for for uh, anybody and everybody to get involved and we just look for the opportunity to be able to share our message and how impactful this is on the student athletes and I think it would be remiss is so there's some things that we're doing incredible impact to these student athletes we're both working with the nonprofits and things like that but uh, what's 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 awesome is there's some kids that that um, are never going to have this opportunity without that Jayhawk brand. They might not go play in the NBA. They might not go in the NFL, but they have an, o- an opportunity to make an impact now and uh, make a few bucks along the way. So this has been fun and and sharing those uh, those stories with donors has been fun and, and getting the players to interact with the donors because in, in our level, Uh, where we're at is there's more interaction with the student athlete than there is in the Williams education fund and things like that. So we can do some unique things with student athletes, as far as appearances, experiences, and things like that. But, you know, everything, as long as the student athlete is, it's quid pro quo, as long as a student athlete uh, uh, is paid for something um, that they're doing, everything is pretty much legalized except for uh, uh, you know, three or four f- ways uh, that you can't give, which is drugs, sex, money and, and gambling. so uh, and so they took all the fun out but uh, <laughs> but uh, those, are, those are the things that why it's important for a collective like us to be involved and, and to make sure we're protecting the student athletes.
3: All right. You you mentioned there that you guys have kind of launched some things. I know after they got the sixth win and became bowl eligible, I know Dan put something up on the crowdfunding and everything. So Dan kind of talk about some of the programs that you guys have out there to where people can get involved. I know you have it from like every level.
0: Yeah, we do. And that's, that's a priority, right? Like we talk about obviously Matt going and talking with his friends and, and colleagues of donors that, you know, can give significant funds, but we also want to provide giving levels to individuals, um, at all different, uh, giving capabilities from $25 uh, a month to 500 a month or a thousand a month through our, uh, RCJH 100 club. And there's obviously benefits that come along with, with each of those, whether it's a t-shirt or a uh, koozie or, you know, a discount off of our mastery collective merchandise, um, And then, you know, part of that is just to people want to help. They want to give. And this is a way that, you know, helps also alleviate some of maybe the bigger ask to to donors. Because, listen, we want to help the KU athletic department. We want to see that stadium um, go up and and get renovated. So if we can get significant amounts of funds from, you know, a bunch of different people uh, to help alleviate those asks, then that's what we want to do. And at the end of the day, it's all about uh, giving back to the student athletes. Like that's why we're doing what we're doing because this is literally changing the lives for some of these individuals that have come from next to nothing, and they're they're given a chance uh, now uh, more than ever before. So we're actually going to launch these different five levels of giving here uh, in the next uh, couple days, um, if not tomorrow. And that will just allow people to kind of go through and see what kind of giving that will maybe suit their, their budget. You know, like I said, from $25 a month to 500 a month, there's plenty of different options and, and other access um, with the the crowdfunding campaign that we launched after obviously the sixth win uh, we're asking anybody to give $6 a month at a minimum. <clears throat> and the reason we did that is, is $6 is not a tremendous amount of money, but if you, can combine 100,000, 2,000 people, whatever it is, given $6 a month, that adds up pretty quick. And so that's where we want to be able to help and, and you know, tell people, hey, if you can give up a coffee for a month uh, to help these KU student-athletes, um, then do it, please. So uh, we've seen some pretty good growth, and it's been fun to see people get in and talk about, hey, I am like I'm making a difference now with my $6 a month. Um, so it's been cool and it it is a community effort. And so we're, we're very appreciative to all the individuals and businesses that have stepped up, uh, to help, uh, these student athletes today.
3: Well, Dan and Matt, I, I really hope that, you know, what we've talked about here for everybody that's out there listening, you know, maybe they get a more clear picture of what this is about and what you guys are doing and, and how important the NIL is to, I mean, I'll, I'll be blunt keeping players, keeping coaches, and things like that. So, you know, I really appreciate you guys joining me, and I I hope this, you know, makes it more clear and and helps people understand out there what NIL is and what you guys are doing. Well, Dan,
5: you know, yeah, we're excited. You know, we're glad there's no bigger cheerleader than, than you and Jayhawk Slant. You live this every single day. Uh, you're talking to recruits, and the impact that you know they're talking about in NIL, and and uh, we appreciate everything you do, Kerb, and I know Dan does, and from his time of working with you within the athletic department. So, thank you for everything you're doing for us, and if there's anything we can do for you and your members, please let us know.
3: All right, guys. Hey, thanks a Absolutely. lot. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. Thanks,
5: now that
2: we've heard about NIL, and that is always something that ties so closely into
3: recruiting now, John, what's the latest from the Jayhawks on the recruiting trail? Yeah, Randy, when we had our last podcast, we recorded on a Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, Jamil Croft, a defensive back from Martin Luther King in Detroit, gave the Jayhawks a commitment. And he is a kid bordering on a four-star right now. He's one away. one big physical corner. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Jordan Peterson went out and watched him. And I believe the night he watched him, uh, one of the top receivers in Michigan. He's a 2024 kid. He's committed to Michigan State. I mean, Jamil Croft shut him down. So I mean, this kid, this kid can play. Um, you know, he talked to me about the connections that Detroit is building to Kansas, and, and that's a that's a pipeline that, that's really mm-hmm. going to pay off. Uh, you had last night, Red Martell kind of came out of nowhere, uh, running back from Beggs, Oklahoma. I, I love this commitment. I'm going to tell you why. Kansas identified him early. He also had a Colorado offer. He was also getting looks from Wisconsin and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And he's been to Lawrence twice unofficially with his family during the fall. I love it when recruits come in like that, especially more than once. Because Absolutely. they're coming in, they're getting a chance, they're getting a feel for the community, the the school, the coaching staff, the players – So, you know, after two visits, he saw what he needed to see, and he went back and called the coaching staff and said, I want to be a Jayhawk. So those are two commitments that have happened really since we've had our last podcast. Um, They had some visitors on campus. Saraz Buncombe, a wide receiver out of California. Um, Ryan Justice, who's an offensive lineman from Washington, Missouri. Big, good-looking kid. I think he's going to grow into an offensive tackle. Marquez Taylor told me some good things about his visit. He's a running back out of Tennessee. And then Randy, we're going to start looking forward now. I mean, they go on the road, and then they come back for the Texas game. And boy, this one may be a loaded cast. Okay, uh-huh. I am hearing right over a hundred visitors expected for the Texas game. So this one is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to follow. Okay, Lardarius Webb, a, a corner. I just wrote about him. I posted about him yesterday. Uh-huh. Yes, you corner did. cornerback out of Jones College. His dad played in the NFL, was on the, Raven, the Ravens team that won the Super Bowl. This kid's a baller. Um, it's going to be tough because he's got Oklahoma State. He's going to officially visit for the Texas game. Then he's got Oklahoma State, and then I think Mississippi State. So it's some tough competition, but KU's in on these guys. Okay, another one, Nico Taylor, just before the podcast here. He told me he will take an official visit for the Texas game. Defensive end at Hutch, played Former at Blue, Blue Valley. Former Blue Valley North guy. Yes, yeah, you know, tall, rangy guy, 6'5", 240. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, another guy who's about that same size, might be about 6'6", 245. Remember this name because I'm going to have something on him in the next 24 to 48 hours. His name is Kai Wallen. He's a defensive end from American River. And I am telling you right now, this kid is going to have Offers coming from everywhere. Uh, just an interesting story. He he didn't have a whole lot coming out of high school last year. So he went to American River College. He was going to gray shirt. Right before the season, he went through practice. They said, hey, we're going to need you to play. And now he's got like Utah, Oregon State, KU, San Diego State, Indiana. Some SECs are coming on him now. This guy I'm telling you, by the time he's going to visit for the Texas game, by the time this guy gets into December, I'm going to bet he's got 20 Power Five offers. It just Whoa. one of those kids that goes to a JUCO, blows up, and now all of a sudden everybody's on him because he's got you know he's going to be a four for three, so he's like a oh, high wow. school. Yeah, he's a high is. school recruit. Um, uh-huh. And then a guy we've talked about a lot, Buffalo Cruz. Yep. Uh, offensive lineman from City College of San Francisco, he told me he will be in for the Texas game. So right there, we know four official visitors. And, and Randy, you talk about shifting, right? How things change. Yes. At one point, you really didn't want to bring in official visitors sometimes for KU games. And I'm not embarrassed to say this, but you know, when you've got twenty five, twenty seven thousand people in the stadium, and some are leaving at half, some aren't coming back. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't want recruits to see that. And, and no. this, this has gone on with past staffs for years. Oh, I was okay? going to
2: say, that's nothing
3: new. Yeah, right. But now you've got something to sell. Now you're on the phone going, hey, we want you to come in for an official visit. Because the Texas, I don't know that it's going to be sold out yet, but I'm thinking is if it's not sold out, it's going to be really close. So they're bringing these guys in because now you want these kids to see what's going on in Memorial stadium. So it is, it's, it's fun. And I, I think we are going to see a huge turnout for that Texas game.
2: That's the last word from our man, John Kirby on the Kansas football beat. And that will do it for another edition of the inside slant podcast from jhawkslant.com. We have gotten you primed and ready. For the matchup Saturday night against Texas Tech. We looked back. We talked about the huge win to attain bowl eligibility last week over Oklahoma State. We brought in our buddy Shea Wilderbor. We talked about National Signing Day, the early signing period for men's basketball. We talked about the opener on Monday night. We heard from the guys from Mass Strategies to talk NIL. We heard from Chris from Red, Ra- from Red Raidersports.com preview the matchup with Tech. Giving you everything you could want as a Kansas fan in this podcast, but we've got to take a minute to thank our friends again at My Freight World for sponsoring the podcast and helping us make things happen. Remember, they are recruiting right now heavily, too. A great bunch of KU guys looking for new account executives, a role that offers great work-life balance and a chance to make as much money as you want. The harder your work, the more money you can make. It's a great company, great culture. Check out the career page on their website, myfreightworld.com. For our friend Shea Wildebor, for my man John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from jayhawkslant.com. We will talk with you again soon.
3: This has been a podcast from Jhawkslant.com.